Dallas Jenkins was mostly known as the son of best-selling author Jerry Jenkins, author of the Left Behind series of books, but now he's more notably known as the creator of the first-ever multi-season show about Jesus, called The Chosen. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and this week, Dallas Jenkins is joining me on the Great Stories podcast to talk about what may be the most loved show by Christians today. Now, that's a bold claim, but I do know tens of millions of people have come along on this journey of seeing Jesus through the eyes of those who met him. In this conversation that I recorded with him a year ago while he was shooting season two, you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at the show while also hearing Dallas share more about what Jesus means to him. So let's get started. I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. And from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about... Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Jesus talking with Nicodemus in the Chosen TV series an insightful scene helping us better understand the context from which John 3.16 was spoken. This is Haven Today, and we're going to meet up with somebody special. He's the guy that came up with the idea for the TV series The Chosen, which is now filming in its second season. Dallas Jenkins, you're speaking to us from uh, on location where you're getting ready to film later today. Thank you for joining us here on Haven today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Charles. I appreciate it. How did the idea of The Chosen come about? And it goes back Christmas, what, five years ago, six years ago, when? Uh, not that, not quite that long ago, but uh, but yeah, back in 2017, actually, so about three years ago, I did a short film from my church's Christmas Eve service. And that was all it was intended to be. It was a short film about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And it's something that I had been wanting to do for a little while, but had been busy making feature films and whatnot. And uh, I had done other short films and vignettes for my church in the past. And the idea was always stories from the gospels, but from a different perspective. So same story, but through the eyes of maybe someone different that we don't normally focus on when we do movies or miniseries about Jesus. And so this one was the, the, the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And we see what their day might have been like earlier and, and what their lives were like, the historical context, the cultural context, little artistic imagination about maybe the inner workings of this group of shepherds, all leading towards their encounter with the birth of Christ. And while I was making it, I realized, you know, there's, there's been movies and miniseries about the life of Christ, but there's never actually been a multi-season show where you can really dig into the stories and into the details even more than you can when you're doing a movie and you're just going quickly from miracle to miracle and Bible verse to Bible verse. 
And so many people, when they saw the short, were so moved by seeing the birth of Christ through, uh, through the eyes of, of those who actually met him. Mm-hmm. And when you see a movie, oftentimes Jesus is the main character and you're not really able to connect with the people around him. And so I just thought that was a really interesting possibility. And that short film, very long story short, ended up being the catalyst for and the fundraiser for this, this uh, season one of, of what turned out to be The Chosen. And it did well. You're making season two right now. And just in case anybody's a little worried that's listening to the program, you're trying to stay very true to the biblical account, aren't you? At the same time, you're, you're trying to think of what it was like if you were Peter or one of the apostles. Absolutely. And I think some people when, who maybe haven't seen the show yet and they hear backstories or context or artistic imagination and they think, oh, you're messing with scripture. Um, and I understand that concern, but uh, and, and I know a lot of Christians have been burned in the past by seeing Bible stories set to film you know, by Hollywood and, and things change and it feels like unrecognizable. Well, I'm someone who's been a believer as long as I can remember. I was a Bible major in college. I love God's word. I believe it. I have no agenda. And I'm not changing anything. When you see things that are from scripture in the show, um, we don't change anything. But yes, we do add the historical context, the cultural context, and some artistic imagination similar to when you're hearing a sermon and, and the pastor perhaps is giving you a passage from the Gospels and then says, all right, now let me give you a little bit of the context of what was going on here. And sometimes we like to imagine, you know, what, what might it have been like for Simon Peter, you know, who was married, for example. Those are things we don't normally explore. And so I think that our, our primary objective when we do any scenes that aren't from Scripture, uh, we, we always ask ourselves, is this plausible? That's number one, you know, is this something that really could have happened? And then, of course, what's most important is we never do anything that's going to violate the intentions of the char- or the character of Jesus and these gospel stories. And I th- all, the, the proof is in the pudding. When people watch the show um, from all stripes, I mean, from, from all levels of conservative scholars to, to otherwise, are saying uh, it, this is clearly an homage and, a, and, a, and, and, and made by someone who loves scripture. And, mm. um, and, and mm. what people are saying over and over again is that it's not replacing scripture for them. In fact, it's taking them back to scripture more than ever before. We hear every day from thousands of people who are saying, I've never raised, I've never uh, read my Bible more than I have since I've watched this show. So, so I think that's, that's the best indication that we're really working hard to stay faithful to the intentions of scripture. Well, Dallas, I've got to tell you where the idea came from. And in my house, we stay true to the Bible and that starts with my wife. <laughs> and when COVID first broke out and she was looking around for things for us to watch, somehow she came across The Chosen and she watched it all. And every day she would say, we've got to watch this. Well, we're watching it now together. And uh, it's really a blessing. One of the questions I have for you, though, in, in, in making a series like this, how in the world did you find, and I should say the actor you've got is really good at it, how in the world do you find an actor to portray Jesus? Well, interestingly enough, I found Jonathan uh, Rumi, that's his name, um, 
about six or seven years ago when I did the very first short film about uh, a, a gospel story that for my church. This was back, I did, a, I did a short film about the crucifixion from the perspective of the two thieves. So we took the, the story of the two thieves on the cross, which is really only a few verses. And we thought, this is interesting. You know, they go in just a couple of verses from mocking Jesus to one of them believing in Jesus and wanting to be with him in paradise. So we worked our way backwards to kind of come up with a plausible backstory and who they might have been. And, and so we did the short film. And in fact, Jesus only shows up for a few minutes because he shows up at the end, you know, on the cross. Mm-hmm. And um, Jonathan had auditioned for one of the two thieves and did, did a lovely job. But I had two other guys who I really liked and we didn't have anyone who was good enough to play Jesus. And so I, had, I thought Jonathan should audition for Jesus. And 10 seconds into his audition, I thought, my goodness, this is one of the best Jesuses I've ever seen. <laughs> that sounds a little funny to hear you say that. One of the best Jesuses I've ever seen. But, but there are certain qualities you're looking for. You yeah. Know? And that's the thing is I, I feel like I've seen almost all the Jesus movies and miniseries ever made. And uh, many times I find there's something lacking. I, Jesus oftentimes is portrayed as pretty boring um, or mm. overly pious or... Um, you know, a, 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 he looks like he's British or American, you know, or something. And it's hard to find what I think Jonathan delivers in, in his performance, which is both the masculinity and the gentle spirit. You know, it's, it, a lot of times it's one or the other. And, and um, I think that one of the things that makes Jonathan um, do such a good job is that he really empties himself. And I think he knows, mm. and he said this publicly, <laughs> You know, there's no way I can actually live up to the portrayal of Jesus. I can't really put myself in the, in the shoes or in the sandals of the sinless son of God. Um, and so I think both of us, what me as the director and as the writer and Jonathan as the, as the portrayer of Jesus, um, you just try as much as possible to recognize you're not worthy of it. Um, and you just try to kind of get out of the way as much as possible. Um, but we don't, we don't over-spiritualize it to the point where, when Jonathan is performing, he's trying to take on the persona of Jesus or anything like mm-hmm. that. We know that that's not really possible. So I think we're just trying to pursue an honest, authentic portrayal of Jesus the man. And, uh, and so far, it seems to be working well. If you just joined us, uh, you're listening to Dallas Jenkins. He's the creator of the series, TV series called The Chosen. A very interesting look uh, at those who were around Jesus, but as we were just talking about, Jesus does show up. Why do you think it's important for us to head back to the first century and look at not just the life of Jesus, but look at those who met Jesus that surrounded him, and not just the apostles, but you've got others in there as well uh, that you've included. Why is that important for us? Yeah, that's a great question. And when you mentioned your wife, when, when COVID hit, uh, people were looking for something to watch. And that's actually when The Chosen really exploded and, and has kind of, in, currently it's in every country in the world and it's been translated in over 60 languages and people of all faith backgrounds seem to be loving the show. And, and, and I think the reason is, is because in this crazy time and in, in, in this week, like you said, especially is crazy. I think that there's, the show focuses solely on Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. The show focuses on Jesus and his relationships with those around him. And here's what you see when you really explore the stories of Jesus. He wasn't interested in a political revolution. 
um, every day you hear from both sides the reasons why it's important to fight, the reasons why it's important to take a stand, to, to collect our team together and we're going to, we're going to make a stand, we're going to vote in this way or we're going to fight in this way. And Jesus really wasn't about that. Um, we'd like to sometimes think he was. I think both sides like to claim him mm-hmm. as an endorser of their political perspective uh, when it's convenient. But when you look at the stories of Jesus, he was about the personal. Um, his miracles were about the personal. He was always after your heart. And he oftentimes said, I'm not about a political kingdom. I'm not about an earthly kingdom. I'm about, I'm about a spiritual kingdom. And I think mm-hmm. being reminded of those stories, there's something sim- simple about it. There's something beautiful about just focusing on that relationship between Jesus and the people that he met. And they sometimes wanted him to fight. They were sometimes saying, hey, we're in the middle of a, of a revolution here. What are you going to do? Are you going to lead us? And he was like, I'm after your heart. I'm after your heart. And uh, I think there's something that's uh, a salvation, and literally, but also just a relief about that right now, that sometimes mm-hmm. you can just tune out all that's going on and just focus on the greatest man who ever lived. Uh, I think that for a lot of people, it's a respite from from all the craziness that happens when they tune on, turn on the news, or uh, or go on to social media. You know, I haven't said amen yet today, so I'm going to say amen, Dallas Jenkins. <laughs> Thank you for for sharing that with us. You're into season two right now. You're actually uh, working on location. You're filming, and 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 uh, are you doing anything different? this year for the new season that you're filming right now, as opposed to the first season, which we have available for people this week? Well, yeah. So there's two things that are very different. One is just the storyline. Obviously, season two picks up where season one left off, which is that Jesus has now announced kind of that his his ministry is more public now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, as we know from scripture, he gave her permission to mentioned to others publicly that he was the Messiah, the son of God. And now the cat's out of the bag. And what, what happens when that happens? You know, there's good news on one hand and that more people are coming to be healed, more people are coming to be saved, but there's also a lot more resistance. So season two kind of covers a lot of that. You know, what happens to the, to the group when, uh, when the, when the pressure is kind of moving in. But the biggest thing, obviously that's different for us is the COVID. I mean, we're, we're going to have to spend upwards of three quarters of a million dollars just on COVID mm. safety protocols, um, mm. just because every day between 75 and hundred people are on this set. And if anyone gets sick um, and, and maybe gets others sick, we, have, we may have to shut down. And that, that every day costs tens of thousands of dollars, if not mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. So we can't afford to, we can't afford to shut down. Uh, there are, there are rules from the, the industry, uh, the actors union and the, the crew unions and whatnot, that you have to follow certain safety protocols. So uh, all of that, all the testing costs money, all the protocols cost money. It's a, it's a, it's a quite a, a mess to figure out. And um, in the industry is still figuring it out as we go. So that's the biggest thing. It's just trying to overcome some mm. of these hurdles and handle visits from, you know, from, we have visitors, we have people who are going to be background actors and extras, all of those people, everyone who comes onto the set has to have a negative test. And so that's, that's, that's complicated, and uh, mm. we're trying to figure all that out. Well, I'll mention this to my wife, 
she's one of your biggest fans, and uh, and uh, we will include you in the making of this movie in our morning prayer time. Then we can for sure use that, and it's going to be you know for the next couple of months. Actually, we're going to be filming, and uh, you know, there's a lot. The, the pressures of filming are difficult enough in general. Um, and then you've got COVID, which makes it even more difficult. Well, then you mm-hmm. add on this extra layer of trying to tell the story of, of the savior of the universe. And um, that's a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really important that we get that right. I know your listeners are, are for sure saying, yeah, you better darn get that right. We, mm-hmm. we, have, we have millions mm-hmm. of, of critics who are ready and eager at any moment mm-hmm. to point out something we've done wrong. And, and I just hope that, uh, that the show can continue to be a blessing to the millions of people around the world who've told us that their lives have been impacted by it. And uh, there have been many shows who, when they started, weren't exactly sure where they were going because they didn't exactly know how many seasons they were going to last. Uh, we we kind of took a different tact. Um, even when we were planning out season one, we started with where we were going to end up. Now, the, the beauty is, spoiler alert, we know how the gospels end. Mm-hmm. And so we started with that and then worked our way backwards. We want to make sure that seasons six and seven, which should cover the crucifixion and the aftermath of the resurrection, we want to make sure that those are as impactful as possible. Mm-hmm. So we actually knew going into it, we, you know, we start with the final season, the final episode actually, and we know exactly how that's going to end. And then we work our way backwards all the way to season one so that each season sets up the next season and makes it that much more impactful. So I promise you, we know where we're going. We've got it plotted out uh, season by season in a general outline form so that we don't paint ourselves into any corners. You'd, you'd love to think it's going to be easier because of the success of season one. And, and if anything, it makes it even more challenging. So I just do mm. my best to try to concentrate on the loaves and fish that I'm providing, the five loaves and the two fish, and then uh, God can feed the 5,000. Mm. How do you think the Lord is using the chosen right now in the time we're living in currently uh, that you would have never expected, Dallas? I know this may sound like a cop-out answer, but I, I genuinely didn't have expectations for the show because all I was concentrating on was making that season one, the best possible show it could be that honored God Mm -hmm. and honored the scriptures. So the fact that the show has um, gotten to be as successful as it's gotten and and has reached so many people, uh, on one hand, I didn't expect that. But on the other hand, I did not expect it. I mean, I've gotten Mm -hmm. used to the fact that God can do anything at this point. It's not my job to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. So I don't worry about um, how many how many uh, people are, are watching or not? However, I will say that the biggest surprise has been the the lack of age b- restrictions on who loves the show. I didn't mm-hmm. expect kids to like it because it's a as you've seen it's a there's there's mm-hmm. complicated plot lines and when you watch especially like episode one, I think some of your listeners may think, well, wait a minute, I thought this was a Jesus show. Where's Jesus? He doesn't even show up until the end of episode one. I mean, there's complicated plot lines and, and it's like a real show. It's not just like, here's a reenactment of, a, of some Bible verses. Um, it's, it's, it's a real show. So I didn't expect kids to love it, um, even though it's, it's not, you know, uh, inappropriate or anything. But we've heard from parents of five-year-olds whose kids want to watch it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard from parents of special needs children or special needs adults even, some severe, who just love the show. And I didn't expect that, but it's, it's proven to me that when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the stories of the gospels, 
uh, God will remove the scales from people's eyes and he will remove those barriers and those hurdles. And uh, hearing people say that, that they just feel like the scriptures are coming alive, uh, including teenagers and, and even young, young children, mm -hmm. that's probably been the biggest surprise for me. Hmm. It's a little like maybe your dad, uh, when he first wrote that first novel in the Left Behind series, he never had any idea that this was going to be a bestseller and a best-selling series, not just one book. It's it's, uh, but it, isn't that uh, isn't that the way the Lord uses us, Dallas? I mean, we we you can't set out to do something that's going to make it. It's all in God's hands if you're a follower of Jesus. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is uh, my dad was m the age that I am now when mm -hmm. he launched Left Behind. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we do sometimes sit back and go, can you believe this? That, that, that we, we've both had this opportunity to, to, to have a project that is seeming to blow up in this way. And, and both projects are, are, are with, had the intention of taking scripture and, and kind of bringing it to life and, and making it more maybe accessible or palatable for people without actually changing the message itself. But seeing, uh, seeing the chosen follow in Left Behind's footsteps as a bit of a global uh, impact has been truly extraordinary. And I think it's not a coincidence, like you're saying, that it started with, with both my dad and myself not intending when we started to, to have this be some sort of big global success. We were just simply trying to obey. And uh, it doesn't always turn out like that, obviously. It's kind of lightning in a bottle. But uh, I, th I do think God is, is using the fact that we're just kind of broken, uh, flawed vessels who are saying, all right, feel like you've got something to say, God, I'm going to be a vessel to, to, to get it said, but, but, or to get it communicated, but uh, this is out of my hands. Dallas Jenkins, uh, normally living in Chicago, but now shooting your second season on location. Let me throw a question out. Uh, it's a surprise question that we ask, no pressure. It's a surprise question that I ask at the end of any time I interview somebody on the program. Um, so here's my question for you. What does Jesus mean to you? Well, I think that in the last few years, my life has changed and I have become a different person because of the story of the feeding the 5,000. Mm. And I just just indicated, you know, just a moment ago, but um, my, my goal in life now is that when I bring my five loaves and two fish to Jesus, that he deems them worthy of acceptance. And that's where the transaction ends. I've, I've, I lived so much of my life thinking ahead, trying to think of making, making sure that I could accomplish something, making sure that the, the projects that I worked on were successful. And now I, have no desire other than to make sure that Jesus finds them acceptable and finds them successful. And after that, I genuinely don't care about the earthly success or failure. And it's become a bit of a superpower. Um, I really only want to please Jesus. And mm. that, um, you know, to answer your question specifically, he means uh, to me, he, he, he's the one who I'm just trying to please each day. And if I can do that, um, 
you know, with, with whatever small amounts that I can provide each day. And, mm-hmm. and right now it's with this show, but it's also as a father and as a husband, um, th- that's, that's all that matters. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but when you can really get to that point where you're just focused on making sure that what you're doing is acceptable to him, um, everything else kind of falls away. And, uh, and, and, and that, that becomes the, the, the focus of your life. And it actually makes things much simpler because Jesus is actually quite uh, accepting and forgiving when we bring our, our, best, uh, our best to him or when we don't have our best to give. Mm-hmm. And we just give our surrendered, broken selves. Um, it's so much, so much easier than trying to please uh, social media commenters. I'll savor the second time today. Amen. Thank you so much. The Lord be with you and your project. And thank you for taking a few minutes off filming uh, to be with us here on Haven Today. Dallas Jenkins. Yeah, thank you so much, Charles. Uh, I really enjoyed it and hopefully we can do it again. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. Though the interview you just heard was recorded while he was on set recording season two, we have a new video interview that I shot with him recently after season two was released. We have the video posted on our blog at haventoday.org for you to enjoy. And from there, you can also get a copy of the DVD for The Chosen Season 2 as our thanks for your gift to Haven Ministries. And of course, if you want to hear more conversations like this, then just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to haventoday.org to sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. Thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.